This is the Trails Church Podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel in community and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now here's today's podcast. And open your Bible with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2. We sing very little about angels through most of the calendar year. And then beginning with the Advent season, angels seem to fall right out of the sky into the lyrics of so many of the carols that we sing. The reason for this is that the Christmas narrative written in Scripture is highlighted all over with the presence and ministry of angels. And what I would like to do is just rehearse a few of the most popular angelic carols that we love to sing as a church. Sound good? All right, first, there is Charles Wesley's classic, I think the greatest hymn ever written in the English language, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. This carol is spilling over with poetry about the birth of Christ. And of course, the opening line introduces us to angels. Hark the herald angels sing, and sing with me, glory to the newborn king. So that carol welcomes us over and over to pay special attention to the message of the angels in announcing the birth of Christ. Another popular carol also begins with the same theme from the same passage in Luke's gospel. Angels we've heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply echo back their joyous strains. Now, those lyrics invite us to think back on the song that was heard by those shepherds who were watching their flocks by night on that promised night long ago. Now, I do love that carol, but I feel every time it comes around to the chorus, I feel like that melody is asking a whole lot of me. Anybody else feel that way? Um, It's got to be the longest-lasting, breath-demanding, lung-expanding word ever sung in the church. Let's just try it. Gloria. Oh, you're doing well. Yeah, you're doing well. It's beautiful, but it's near impossible, I think, to sing just that one word, Gloria. Still, one of my favorites is this old carol by the Scottish poet James Montgomery. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. Ye who sang creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn King. The chorus of that carol is a call to worship. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn King. And this is where my arrow is aimed this morning. That we might, on this second Sunday of Advent, worship the Prince of Peace. And as we worship Christ together, I pray that you and I might know the peace of God. That was inaugurated by the birth of Christ. That was seen in his life. That was uh, purchased by his death and sealed with his resurrection. 
So before we tune our hearts to the song of the angels, let me just ask, are you experiencing the peace of Christ? In Luke 2, 13 and 14, we come to one of the most glorious songs in the New Testament, which both pronounces glory to God and announces the birth of the Prince of Peace. This hymn of the angels, which rang through the night air with good news of great joy, has been well known and sung throughout the ages. One of the earliest ancient hymns written in Latin that Christians have sung is this text, Gloria in excelsis Deo, which you all just nailed with full lung support. This song of praise to God for what He had purposed to do through this baby born in David's city. Luke 2, 13 and 14 is like a gospel amplifier turned up to 11, pronouncing the good news of the Savior's birth. It's a song of worship unto God, and it's a song of instruction unto men. And because it's so clear and so simple, I want to outline our passage in just two glorious movements that we find in this brief song of the angels. First, the pronouncement of praise. And second, the announcement of peace. Now to get at the meaning of the passage, I want to read it in its immediate context. A text outside of its context is pretext. It's no text at all. So we've got to look at it in its context. The very passage we looked at last week, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And then we'll draw a target around verses 13 and 14 specifically. So for all of you who are able, please... I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with that angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. And saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. The first movement we find in the song of the angels is the pronouncement of praise. Glory to God in the highest. It's no small matter that the theme of the angel song begins with God and His glory. The first word of their song is the Greek word doxa. This is the root word for where we get our doxology. Doxa can describe, uh, really, uh, the attribute of God's majesty or, as in the case here, it can be used to ascribe praise to God, glory to God. So here, the angelic hosts are clearly Loud as a bell, praising God. They pronounce and declare that God 
And to God alone belongs the worship of the heavens. God is worthy of the highest praise. So let's consider for a moment this angelic choir and the primary audience of their song. Let's think about the ones bringing the praise and the one being praised. So the ones bringing praise are the very angels that we so often hear sung of during the Christmas season. Verse 13 tells us that the lone angel, must have been a Texan, (laughs) the lone angel who was speaking to the shepherds by himself was suddenly joined by a choir of angels who erupt the stillness of the night air with a hymn of praise. The birth of Christ was occasion enough that the thin veil that partitions the physical and spiritual realms is momentarily taken down as heavenly hosts unexpectedly appear and burst forth in song. The black curtain of the night sky becomes a stage filled with light and music. Notice the first ones that night to bring praise to God for what he had done in sending Christ were the angels. Angels that had never known the ache of not knowing peace with God. The ones who knew the God of peace firsthand. Yet hear the delight of their hearts and the theme of their song is praise to God for what he had done in sending his son to bring peace to these fallen, sinful creatures known as mankind. These heavenly beings who from the dawn of creation shouted for joy, Job 38, 7 says, and whose constant joy it was to gather around the throne and glorify God, praising him. Here they do a key change in their unending song. They take it up a whole octave as they see what God has done in Christ. Luke later tells us in his gospel that these same same angels, when one sinner repents of their sin and turns to Christ, that they rejoice over God's saving power toward humanity. The angels are the ones bringing praise. Now let's consider the one being praised. The center of their praise is none other than God himself. This is God-centered worship. Before the theme of their song unpacks the peace that God has brought to mankind in Christ, it praises the God of peace. Five times in the New Testament, God is called the God of peace. And this is a song of praise to Him, the author of peace, who has sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Now, do you remember what Isaiah called Him long ago? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. The prince of peace. The promised prince of peace has come. Glory to God in the highest. For God has kept his word and sent the prince of peace to bring peace. So in the season of Advent, as we think about the coming of Christ and all that his birth means to us, It would be right for us to just join in the praise of the angels um, who are bringing and singing glory to God. It's, It's right to do this. 
If, if God is the theme of the angels' praise, who have never known what it means to be forgiven of sin, should He not be the theme of our praise, who have been forgiven so much? And if the angels live to bring glory to God, who have never known Him as their Father, should we not, who have been adopted as sons and daughters of the King, bring praise to God for what He has done to us, for us, through Christ. So I pray as the season moves forward that we would be people whose hearts are tuned to the praise of God. And I encourage you as another year comes to its close for us to spend time thinking back over this year and to rehearse the ways that the God of peace has gone before us. Rehearse the ways that God has gone before you. The ways that he has led you. Think of the ways that he has provided for you. And cared for your every need. Often in unexpected ways. The ways he's made himself known to you. Shown you his great mercy. And let's join the song of the angels. Bringing praise to God. Glory to God in the highest. This is the pronouncement of praise. In the second movement of the angel's song is the announcement of peace. The song continues. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So in the back half of the carol of the angels, we begin to hear even more clearly the melody line that they are singing. Yes, their song is directed to God in praise, But, you know, they could have stayed in heaven around the throne room of God and done that on their own. But here, what is always happening, the angels praising the Lord, is made seen. It's made known to the human ear. This song is an announcement of peace. It's to the shepherds and by extension to us that the Prince of Peace has come. So let's reflect on the peace that they're announcing in a twofold way. Peace from God. This is acknowledging him as the source, the author of peace. And then now the benefit of this, peace with God, which is ours. It's no small matter that this peace being announced comes from God. The word peace carries the fullness of blessing that the Savior brings to earth Uh, This word peace is essentially a synonym for salvation. As we think about our salvation, we must first trace our salvation back to its source, God himself. In the sending of his son, God has given peace to us. A peace that had not been fully known on earth ever since the fall of mankind back in Genesis chapter 2. Charles Spurgeon hit the mark when he said, There had been no peace on earth since Adam fell. But now, when the newborn king made his appearance, the swaddling band with which he was wrapped up was the white flag of peace. That manger was the place where the treaty was signed, whereby warfare should be stopped between man's conscience and himself. Man's conscience and his God. Let's remember that it was not we who were the first to hold up a white flag of peace, waving 
God down, getting his attention. It was God who first chose us and made peace with us through the sending of his one and only son, lying in Mary's arms in swaddling cloths. It was not our wisdom that thought up salvation. It was God's wisdom that ordained how he would save his people through the sending of his son. We were trapped in darkness, dead in our sin, hating God and hating one another when the irresistible grace of Jesus tracked us down with his white flag of peace. He made peace with us. He cleansed us with the blood of Christ and wrapped us in white robes of righteousness. The birth of Christ was God moving into our weakness, into our humanity, in order to bring salvation from our sins, to save us from our sins. So in that context, the manger becomes a victory cry that the promised seed of the woman had come to crush the head of the serpent. And the result of this great act, the result is peace between God and man. To say it in a different way, God and sinners reconciled. Peace has come from God. This reconciliation, this salvation, this peace sung of, is this all-encompassing idea in a Hebrew mindset, the state of total well-being, of total peace, inward and outward, peace with God and peace with self, peace with one another, and it begins with God, and it's received from God. Have you received this peace? Do you know this kind of peace? Have you searched everywhere for peace and still come up empty? The peace sung of here is not a missing key hidden somewhere in the world that will unlock our happiness. The peace sung of here is not found within, no matter how constant our culture tells us to look inside of us for peace. No, biblical peace comes from looking to Christ. This is the peace of God. A clean conscience, knowing that we don't have to hide anymore. The peace of God, knowing our sins. And knowing that they are fully and really forgiven. Because of what God has done. We now stand forgiven and accepted by God through the blood of Christ. The peace of God is having been adopted as sons and daughters. Knowing we have been taken in. And we will be taken care of forever by a father who loves us. Is that good news to anybody? I was just giddy to get to drive over here and talk about this this morning. But there's some sobering words at the end of this song. The peace that God came to bring was announced to the whole world, but it would not be for the whole world. The peace of God would only be known, you see it there, with whom he is pleased With whom he is pleased, what does that mean? Who is God pleased with? The answer to that question is is always in our hearts. There's only one way we can know that God is pleased with us. 
It has nothing to do with our works. It has nothing to do with us earning the smile of God. Those with whom he is pleased are all of those who have received the salvation that God has provided in Christ. And so if you're weary from searching, search no more. Receive the mercy of God through Christ. Know the peace of God through Christ. Repent of your sin and trust in Jesus as your Savior. Peace comes from God. And second, peace is now with God. Peace has come from Him, and now the privilege of every Christian is that we might know peace with God. So it's easy to think of words like peace, these Bible words, these theological words, without really considering what they mean. What I know is that peace is not meant to be this word that we once heard defined in a sermon and wrote in an old journal, but a word written on our hearts, remembered and experienced and known and treasured in the heart of every child of God. One of the most comforting promises in Scripture, Martin Lloyd-Jones said, this is one of the most uh, beautiful sentences in the English language as a whole. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now some of you think that's not true for you, so I'm going to read it again. Because if you're in Christ, this is you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, that the promise here is this supernatural peace of Christ that will guard us. It'll stand like a guard outside of your home in the middle of the night so that you can rest. So that you can sleep. You can turn off your mind knowing that while you sleep, God never does. That He is in control. That the peace of God surrounds your life like a fortress that is manned by a Roman army, making sure that you are safe and kept. This means that we don't have to be anxious anymore because God's got us. You've heard it in the angel's song. And Christian, you've known this in your life. Have you known it perfectly? No, not by a long shot. But think back in these moments where you've known this to be true. I love how Jason Meyer said it when he said, worldly peace must be guarded. God's peace guards us. That is a totally different thing. We've settled for a counterfeit when the peace of Christ has been promised us. Worldly peace must be guarded God's peace guards us. So are you experiencing this peace? Peace with God. Peace with God doesn't pretend like every anxiety is uh, like a storm in a teacup. It acknowledges like we have things we wrestle with. We have doubts and fears. And, but it acknowledges that in Christ there is an unshakable comfort and security 
because we have peace with God. And that cannot be taken away. So what do we do then? Well, we just keep listening to the word of God, like even sung in the song of the angels. And just inhale the promises of God. And exhale trust. Inhale his promises. Exhale peace. God's peace will guard us. In the final hours Jesus spent with his disciples, he gave us this promise. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We're a people with cares that we cannot manage by ourselves. And we're given the command by Jesus not to be anxious. And so what do we do? We cast our anxieties on the Lord. I heard a friend say this week, we just throw the anchor of our hope into eternity. Resist this impulse to try to lower it here. And with thankful hearts marking our path, being a people of prayer and dependence upon the Lord, as we do this, the supernatural, incomprehensible, ineffable peace of God will wash over our anxious minds and troubled thoughts. The peace of Christ, the peace that we've been welcomed into, to share in, will guard our hearts and souls and minds. So we look to Christ, the author of peace, the prince of peace, and we just live in what's already ours, the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding. So as we look back in this Advent season to the time before Christ and think about the blessings that have been poured out to us in Jesus, we look to the peace that the anxious world had waited for for so long. And how the weary world now rejoices because Christ has come. And so in the song of the angels, we hear the pronouncement of praise and we join in their song bringing praise to God for what he has done. And we hear the announcement of peace and are reminded that peace can only be found in Christ alone. For those on whom his favor rests, with those in whom he is pleased by faith in Christ, ours is the promise of peace. Um, Underneath the trials that we navigate is a current of peace that is ours because of Christ that will never stop moving us toward home. So let us anticipate the second advent of peace. As we look back to the first, and the announcement, the pronouncement of the coming of Christ, come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn King. Let's pray. Father, Thank you that this announcement made so long ago still rings through the pages of your word to us. 
that we hear the good news, shout aloud that peace has come to us. I pray for our friends who are still outside of the salvation that you've provided. I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Would you open their hearts and speak a word of peace to it that comes only through forgiveness of sin. And to all of us who are so forgetful of the peace that's been provided for us, let this text remind us of the plenty that has been given us in Jesus. The peace that is ours because of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's Word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org. 